It's time for a typical day at Weaver High. There's team sports. Cutting class. I wouldn't leave school without a good reason. Fire drills. And library skills. But the biggest event of the day... We're gonna have a fight. ...happens after school. There isn't gonna be any fight today! <laughs> Three o'clock high. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere. Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Real Early. I'm Larry Sternshine. On today's show, we're going to talk about the 1987 teen movie, Three O'Clock High. And to do that, I have my very special guest, Wendy Freeman, on the show today to talk about the movie. Wendy, thank you for joining me on this program. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, friends. Hello, friends out there, yes. Uh, all 15 of you, I appreciate it. Uh, so... Uh, I'm excited to have you on the show, and you are in Chicago right now, and is that where you grew up, in Chicago? No, I grew up in a really small town in the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania. Okay, so what uh, what was that like living in, in a small town? Were you there for most of your childhood? Uh, no, I mean, we moved around a lot, but we spent the majority of my, of my time there, and uh, it was just like, it was very, very much a... a a ski town you know as a resort town where people would come in the winter but meanwhile there was nothing to do so if you were there year round you know we were just up on this mountain and uh you know everything was like at least half an hour away it was very very remote okay so what was there to do for fun then like what what is the ski town like in the summer it's it's really there's really nothing to do really? <laughs> it was depressing it's just a very, very small town we didn't really have any neighbors we didn't really have anything oh. i don't know i just i just grew up watching a lot of movies what was the closest major city to you guys well there? new york we're we're equidistant from new york and philadelphia they're both okay. about like two hours away in either direction so i often forget how close those two cities are mm-hmm. like you know whenever like we both like pro wrestling and yes. whenever there's like uh, a, back in the day, like ECW, there'd be like, you know, people I knew that traveled from New York. And I'm like, wow, that feels like a long distance. And like, it's like two hours. I'm like, oh, wow, that's crazy. So Where that, you grew up? I grew up in Deerfield, Illinois, outside of Chicago, oh. which uh, it, it's funny, too, because, you know, growing up in the North Shore in the 80s, that's where all the John Hugh John Hughes movies came mm-hmm. out. So, you know, it was like, I see those movies. I'm like, I kind of lived those movies, but like by the time I got to high school, it was like the nineties, but it was just, it's just really interesting to to have that sort of uh, history with that sort of area. So sort of those movies felt more similar or familiar to me, which was kind of fun. Teen comedy legacy. I, yeah. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to go back to to you growing up, did you guys have like what? How were you get? How'd you get into movies? Like what? Because you obviously like movies. So what was what was the catalyst for you? Well, I always talk about like uh, basically, uh, you know, my grandfather just watched a ton of war movies and spy films and action films with us, you know, and uh, I never really got much of a say in things. So. Okay. I just ended up growing up and just loving, just loving, uh, you know, loving James Bond films and loving, loving action films. And so, what, uh, what were you a, a decade of? Were you a '80s kid, a '90s kid? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a late '80s kid. I mean, I grew, okay. I grew up. I went to high school in the '90s, like you. I think we're not far off. So, yeah. So your, so your grandfather was a big movie guy. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys have? Uh, cable were you lucky to have cable or was it just no where i lived we didn't get to have cable we didn't have cable until i was like 16 or something because we were so far in the woods so yeah like we just went to a video store constantly all right what was the video store do you remember the name yes the video store near me was called mr video and uh, yeah so do you remember like it seemed to me like every different video store had 
every different video store had like a different method of how you knew what movies they were in. You know, like some of them like Blockbuster would be behind the box. And then some of them would have like a little like Velcro tag on them. Or some of them would have like a little like tag on a hook on them. What was, what was it like at your video stores? What was your method of knowing what was I th- in? I think they were, all the stores were the classic uh, copy behind the box. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, there was definitely no no tag or anything. There might have been a store where you had to take the box up, and they had like the videotape behind them. Yeah. But I don't, I don't. By the time I was doing a lot of video stores, I, you know, I was lucky enough to have a lot of good ones by me. So it was more of that traditional, like you just go, you get the tape, and you bring it up to the front, and then they do the little scanner thing, and then that's your tape. Is that is that what you guys did? Yeah, yeah. Also, I miss the stores where they would give you a free little baggie of popcorn. I love that. I never got free popcorn. Oh. (laughs) You know what it is? It's because, you know, we didn't have the polite Mr. Video where I was from. Mr. Video seemed very nice. Like, he's got a title. Like, you have to be be polite to Mr. Video. I, you know what? Looking back, obviously I was too young to have one. But if I did have a video store, I would probably call it Dr. Video. I think that'd be... A real fancy place. I'm gonna be Colonel Video. Major oh, video. Don't Corporate don't mess video. with don't mess with the employees at that store, probably. <laughs> and uh so you would just go and he would just pick out the movies and you'd, you'd watch them, or did you ever get a say? When when did he allow you to get a movie? Well, I mean, it was also my older brother, you know, who is also the same. So yeah, so I really yeah, I got shot down all the time. <laughs> I got shot down on on whatever I wanted to watch all the time, so I just ended up watching a lot of like, uh, uh, you know, just a lot of a lot of JCVD movies, a lot of stuff like that, and and uh, a lot of a lot of horror films, and yeah, and then that's just what I liked. So, well, that's that's cool. Uh, nobody told you you couldn't watch, other than like, oh, we don't want to watch this, but like nobody said you can't watch the R-rated movie, or did right, you have no? like? No, we didn't. I mean, so also, I mean, if I may go into backstory, so like my mother was a drug addict. So essentially, my grandparents had a very, very hands off uh, uh, disciplinary style with us. So like, they didn't give a shit what we did, as long as we weren't doing drugs. So that makes so, sense. the idea of if, if I was watching an R-rated movie, like who gives a shit, you know? I, I was lucky enough where my parents just they just, I don't know, they probably had a, a similar sort of like, well, at least he's just, we know where he's at, probably sort of thing. But I didn't really have that sort of the history of my family. But they just let me watch R-rated movies at really young ages. It's very odd. Like, I look, I, I see parents who have kids now and they're just like, can't have, can't watch, have, like, this is weird. Like, it, the 80s was a weird time for, for teenagers and kids growing up because they had a lot more freedom i think to explore mm-hmm. and whatnot so it's just so weird now to see like parents and related to like r-rated movies and whatnot so we kind of got lucky also we had so many more sexual uh films you know we had like we were talking about like you know you could turn on cinemax you could watch the you know like they, i feel like we had we had like i don't remember what age i was when i first saw nine and a half weeks you know, but I, I remember seeing that. <laughs> there were, like there was no there was no restrictions. I still haven't seen nine and a half weeks. Um, but what I do remember is I had my uh, friend in from like junior high and high school and we'd rent movies and like it there would be a sex scene in a movie and I was just like not really interested in it for some reason, but he was always just like Wanted to rent whatever movie might have had a sex scene in it. It was it's very awkward. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I saw a lot of those like erotic thrillers, I guess. Which, when you look at it, if we watch a lot of them now, I mean, there's not a huge difference between them and like that at the action movies or like the horror movies and thrillers and stuff. There just happens to be a a really awkwardly shot sex scene in them. But <laughs> just looking back and just being like, why do you want to rent these? I just want to see people get shot. <laughs> you know, like that's actually that's objectively worse. <laughs> uh so we're gonna talk about a like a teen movie, but like 
do you have any early memories of that sort of genre growing up? Was oh, that like an older brother like those movies and you sort of watched yeah. them that way? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we grew up like during that prime time of the the John Hughes comedies and stuff. But also, I mean, I feel the 80s had so many better teen comedies that weren't John Hughes. Like we had Real Genius, we had Better Off Dead. We had, you know, like I feel like there were so many underrated 80s teen comedies that that you know really spoke to who I was more so than Pretty in Pink or or you know The Breakfast Club. I feel like there there were there are a lot of a lot of sort of 80s deep cuts and this is definitely one of them. Yeah, it's a film that I think that a lot of people don't seem to remember but has sort of kind of grown in stature a little bit and I um I think there's a special edition Blu-ray out for it now that I want to see Shot Factory released. I, I mean, I'll look it up and double check. But it's a film that people are discovering more. It's got a very high letterbox score. A lot of people seem to really like that one. Uh, for uh, talking about Three O'Clock High, the Phil Joannou, uh directed film. Juno Joannou? <laughs> Joannou sounds like a really fun way to say it. So All right. uh, so I apologize, apologize to Phil. I should have done my research on his name. But he's a pretty cool director so he's had a nice career so this is good um do you remember the first time that you saw this movie uh, no i i think we had it on like recorded off the tv on a vhs i think that's that's how because i mean i remember i saw it repeatedly somehow you know i think it was just like we just had so many stacks of of you know like you'd record like three movies off a of tv onto a tape and you just had you know a bunch of a bunch of things that maybe were labeled maybe they weren't you know so you were you were recording off of television there wasn't um you weren't doing like vhs to vhs oh yeah rips. we did that too we, we did, did that, that too, too okay sometimes. yeah like sometimes we would go to the video store and we'd rent another another vcr and like and like we'd spend like a weekend just taping things yeah i remember doing that i didn't start doing that till it was like a lot older when I was like, again, I remember getting the VHS VHS player and I was like, <laughs> oh, this is really cool. I'm going to start recording all this stuff. And then I had too much of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then at some point, I guess I did something with the tapes where you weren't able to do that anymore. I remember feeling that was a thing. It, it was, but there was a way around it. There was a little tab. You just break the tab. Ah, mm -hmm. I don't know how why that tab managed to stop people from pirating vhs tapes <laughs> but if you take that off mm -hmm. it was oh yeah or, i do remember like you can tape over it you can tape over the tab yeah i think that was the other thing too mm -hmm. we were we were really rebellious like you know like <laughs> i don't i don't approve of piracy obviously that's why it's important for people to go and buy the movies that they want to see mm -hmm. you know but back in the day those you know, it was it was different because like look like now you got the internet. You know, it's a lot easier to get the movies you wanted to see, but like back then, it's like it was a lot harder to see some of this stuff. Although now it's just so weird with everything being randomly taken off of the streaming sites. Like, who knows what they're going to be taking from us? You know, or like just this week they changed a line in the French Connection. Like, of all the things you're going to be offended by, of all the things you're you're going to try to censor now. You know, I think I think we've seen the French connection. Yeah, it's it's a strange time for that. That's why it's you know when we were growing up too, it, like physical media was like everywhere. That's all you had cable and you had physical media, so it was definitely a, a better time for that sort of thing. So, uh, so anyway, so back to three o'clock. <laughs> that was, but that was just like a movie that you just happen to watch a lot of growing up yeah and so do you remember how you kind of felt about the movie the first time when you were younger i just i just thought it was funny you know like i was just i was just young i thought like oh this is what high school is like you know like you you, you watch these movies about bullies and 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 school fights and somehow you think that like oh that's what that's what high school's about you know you know, it's funny. I remember seeing this movie when I was a kid and it I liked it, but I think the only reason why I sort of was really into it is I it was just 
there was going to be a fight, and then the fight happens, and it's kind of a you know, it's kind of a cool little fight. You know, so a lot of the nuances that are happening in the movie I didn't quite pick up on. And it's funny too, because it was a lot of teen movies I watch now or watched, you know, when I was old when I got older. And I'm like, man, I did not understand any of this stuff. Right. Yeah. So, so <laughs> like watching this last night was very interesting to kind of be like there's some really interesting stuff going on in the movie. Um some of it is maybe a little underdeveloped that I would have liked, but it's also a, a day in a, like a day in the life kind of a movie. So mm-hmm. like there's just, I don't know how much growth a person can have in a day. Um, but it was I was like a lot of the lessons in that movie, there's no way I was gonna get it as like a ten year old watching the film or a twelve year old. I need to you know be a little bit older. So I kind of wonder how teenagers who saw the movie back then felt about it yeah you know it's interesting one of the things about like the score of this film now i remember when i first saw risky business when i was a little girl i saw risky business and i felt vaguely unsettled by the tangerine dream score you know and i like i didn't understand it but i felt like there was something sexy and adult about about the the music in risky business you know and then in this movie, your Teen Dream Dream, and th- like their like their score doesn't even kick in until like middle three quarters of the way through the movie during like the sexy book report scene, you know. <laughs> and yeah. it was that same feeling. It was that, like, what was it? What was the stranglehold the Teen Dream Dream had on on teenage movies? I you know it's funny I, when you when you mentioned that, and especially is in that scene because I think they have that sort of like eerie urethral kind of music that feels like you're in sort of like a dream state mm-hmm. you know and the scene in three o'clock high when he's doing that he's sort of like out of body experience he's having to try to figure out a way to get detention and i think their music that sort of new wavy new agey type music kind of mm-hmm. is an outer body experience and i think you know for risky business for the, the, you know that character he's sort of like out of body experience too like he's like a not like that kid and he has that experience that sort of awakening and stuff and i think that their music really works in that context a lot i think something about new age music that sort of (laughs) gets you in that mood right it's a very it's a weird uh vaporwave synth pop kind of thing you know it's very uh, yeah because like the opening of the movie it opens like he starts narrating at the beginning of the movie and then he doesn't narrate anything else for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And it's, it's got this pretty forgettable pop song that's playing. It's funny because that pop song is that pop song. I looked it up is done by the drummer from public image limited. Okay. Okay. I was, I did look it up, but I'm like, this guy sounds familiar. And like, no, yeah, he was the drummer from public image limited, which once again, like, uh, this is one of the few things like Phil Juano, uh, clearly the majority of his career is music videos and rattle and hum with you too. Yeah. He, he definitely, uh, really liked doing music videos, which is great. Cause like back in the eighties and nineties, music video directors were, great like they were able to bring that sort of cool aesthetic you know like uh uh david fincher would be a good example of somebody like that who started off in music videos and i think yeah this movie being directed by a music video director it sort of has that sort of rhythm that a music video might have which i which i thought was pretty cool which very different from some of the other teen movies at the time it also featured, uh, like, once again, watching this as an adult is it, strange. Like, it had a lot of, like, sort of swooping dolly shots that I never would have picked up on. But, like, there's that one scene where he's, like, puking in the bathroom and does this big, like, swooping overhead shot that was really nice. Or, like, when they're out of the fire drill and it does, like, this big 360 thing. Like, like he actually did some interesting things with the camera work. Yeah, that, that 360 shot when when they're all outside for the fire alarm. I was I like noticed that I'm like holy crap this is really really this is really cool like he had a lot of uh him and the cinematographer 
which was uh, Barry Sonnenfeld oh. of Men in Black fame. <laughs> they, uh, you know, because he's another guy that, you know, did lots of really cool camera work in his movies. So they were, they were putting a lot of effort into making this movie cinematic versus, you know, just like point and shoot kind of comedy. So there's a lot more directorial flair to it than some of the others, which I noticed, which was really cool. And I think that's probably why the movie felt unique me growing up because I never really noticed like movie stuff as much. But like the movie definitely felt different me watching it, you know, at the time, especially like the end scene when they when they get to the fight. I mean, there's huge crowds and the cameras doing stuff and going everywhere and a lot of cool like lower angle shots. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's pretty impressive. It's a it's a well directed movie. Yeah, I am glad. I am glad to, that we that we watched this as adults. Yeah, and it's 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 a weird thing too because, like I mentioned before, like I watched like three o'clock high as a kid. I didn't pick up a lot of the stuff that's happening. I was just like, oh, this this there's crazy stuff happening. And they're gonna get into a fight, and I was like, I can't wait for the fight, you know. But then in this one, there's there's some positive stuff here, um, like lessons and stuff. But there's also that 80s thing that they do um that's kind of weird the the women characters are kind of weird in this movie they don't quite work as well now when you look back on it um but like it's just i don't know it just hits a little bit differently as an adult and i when i was a kid or like even like a high schooler if i would have seen this i kind of wish i would have watched it again maybe in high school cuz like the lessons of you know, fighting for yourself and not giving up and trying. I thought we're like, oh man, I really wish I would have noticed this when I was growing up a lot more. Yeah, yeah, you know, it is it, it is uh, interesting, and and the the female characters like uh, you had the one cliche artsy girl, you know, who's got like, the bob haircuts and it, and I don't know why I don't remember anyone in my high school ever having a haircut like that, but I feel like that's like the girl in real genius also has that same sort of like really choppy Bob haircut, you know, like that that was, that seems like such a movie thing. Girls in real life had like, it was really sprayed high, you know? (laughs) Well, there was the the Karen Clark uh, character by Lisa Morrow. She was that sort of like larger hair, big hair, kind Mm -hmm. of like popular girl, girl, girl character. Mm-hmm. But I think when I look back at some movies that take place in the 80s, I think that sort of arty girl thing was a very West Coast thing or maybe yeah, a New York thing. So like yeah. they're like in circles that I was definitely not seeing in the North Shore of Chicago. So I think that's <laughs> sort of but there's characters definitely like that. They're like dressed and looked coded to be like you know, like the arty weird girl. <laughs> they're, you know, they're the first ones to discover like the cure and Depeche mode. They're the first girls in your school to ever listen to that stuff. Yeah. She uh, probably listens to Kate Bush. I'm assuming, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that character now is probably like, yes, she's back. <laughs> they're probably very excited. Uh, that, that character we're talking about played by Annie Ryan was her name was Franny Perrins. Her name was Franny, which is like an old lady's name. <laughs> and that their relationship they have is very interesting. Because like they're obviously friends and they get romantic during the movie, but they don't really end up as as dating at the end. It's very odd. I don't I don't I quite like, understand this character. Yeah, I liked that. I like that. And it's like they kissed at the end. But then, it, like, it didn't feel like some sort of triumphant thing. Like, I liked the fact that she was still her own person and she was still a weirdo and, like, she talked to her spirit guide or whatever. But she was never, like, pining away after him necessarily. You know? Like, I just, I felt like, ah, they hook up, they hook up. You know? I didn't really, I didn't feel any dramatic romantic tension between them. I I, I was cool with that. Yeah, they 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 could have gotten really weird with it, and they could have went all Ali Sheedy from Breakfast Club on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, she she does kind of stay the same character, and you like they they set it up that she she likes him and she's gonna ask him out early in the movie until 
the other one shows up in her car, yeah. you know, and then but she doesn't like it is good in the sense that she doesn't like spend the whole movie being like, you know, I have to save you and I'm gonna, you know, I you know, want to be like your girlfriend or whatever. Um, but then but then it's just like but she also she's I don't know how to really describe it, but when I saw it last night, the one part that was confusing near the end is when then the teacher from earlier shows up and gives him a kiss and she's I don't even think we see her again at that point. It's sort of more, sort of like they like push her aside and they're like, We gotta do this weird thing, and then the movie ends. The very <laughs> The, the the female characters are weird in, in that sense. It's and also I even felt like the popular girl kind of one was even unnecessary. Like I felt like you didn't even really need her character at all because it, like once again like it wasn't about him uh, pining away after her the whole movie and and then you had the weird like if you wanted to establish at the end that all these girls are hot for him you had the teacher character you know you didn't need multiple women uh, you know establishing his studliness at the end of the movie and and it's funny too because one of the lessons they talk about in the movie is when he wants to not fight him and he's like okay i'll pay you off and the guy's like you you're you're such a a, a puss you didn't even we're not even gonna try you know and but he, <laughs> it would make sense in that way where if he was trying to ask out the popular girl character <laughs> and was always just like you know too embarrassed to do it and stuff like you could be like okay i get it why he would might want to then ask her out at the end of the movie and, and it'd be like you know he tried you know he learned his lesson and stuff and then it's just like she just shows up like in three scenes and then they don't then they just, you kind of hear in stories in the credits that they date at some point but you're like i don't it was just that is a definitely an unnecessary character yeah yeah he didn't have he didn't have romantic chemistry with anybody <laughs> that was the problem yeah, is uh, it was definitely interesting. If they had like a, this was like a week, you know, they might have had more time to explore the relationships they had. But it was this whole movie takes place in one day. Um, it's the after hours of high school. Yeah, that's what I hear. I've never actually seen after hours. Oh. Uh, just to kind of go back briefly, because there's probably people listening right now going, uh. Dude, what is this movie? Like, what is the plot? <laughs> I didn't oh, even God. talk about the plot. We're just like, let's spoil that. this whole movie. I should just edit in me being like, hey, guys, we spoil a bunch of the movie real early before we even tell you what it is. But, like, if they've never seen 3 O'Clock High, they're probably not listening to the episode yet anyway. But, basically, if you are still listening, there's a kid they've uh, played by Casey Shamasco. Of regulators fame. Yes. You know, my <laughs> dentist and I, I know that my dentist and I are the same age because she and I once, I forget, she was doing some complicated thing to my teeth. And we had this long conversation about who was the hottest of the young guns. Did did he win? Did, did everyone say Casey Shamasco? No, Casey Shamasco is the most forgotten of the young guns. I mean, you know, Lou, Lou Diamond Phillips was hotter than him. But he is one of the most... Um, recognizable pop culture figures since he does the 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 quote in the movie young guns about the regulators that they use in the song regulate by warren g <laughs> so warren g has made casey shamasco relevant yeah casey's gonna live forever that's awesome uh, yeah so regulator fame so he's uh plays jerry mitchell and there's a new kid in school played by richard tyson his name is buddy Ravel. And it's one of those larger-than-life characters because he's supposed to be this bad kid who did a bunch of stuff in another school and everybody's got stories and they get more outlandish as, you know, progresses before the school starts. And through some happenstance, he touches him and this buddy doesn't like to be touched and he challenges him to a fight. And then the whole movie is him just trying not to get into a fight. And so it's... Like you said, it's kind of after hours, kind of high noon, um, day in the life kind of thing. So that's that is sort of where we're at. And so it's it the thing that I, I do like about the movie, and I think it's a wonderful performance from Casey, is just all this different stuff he tries to do to get out of the fight. And he's he he's got a great I'm desperate face from that whole movie. 
mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. And uh, I think you know, he's had a long career. He's done a lot of TV and stuff. But, I, you know, this movie didn't quite do as well as it as some of the other ones. So he didn't quite break out as much as I think he should have. Because I think he's a really good actor. Yeah. And, and we I think he's going to be. Sister. He had a sister, Nina Shamasco, who is also, you know, quasi C-level actor of that time. And she, I remember her from things like Red Shoe Diaries or something. I think what? Like, <laughs> I think she was in a couple of those like softcore kind of things. That, some of the actors from this movie ended up doing those as well. Like Richard Tyson, we talk about. He was in an episode of Retro Diaries. I mean, he's <laughs> like Richard Tyson's a handsome guy, kind of like a cool face. He's you know, got he, a Ledger vibe going to him. Yeah. Like if Heath Ledger was around in the 90s, he totally would have done an episode of Retro Diaries, let's be honest. <laughs> and I'd have totally watched it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a cool. I like, I like, Richard Tyson in this movie uh, just because like he looks like that character you definitely know you don't want to mess with him but he also has this look of like you know people don't really like understand me and he doesn't really know how to like deal with high school people and he just wants to be left alone and he can he sort of he's got the it's eyes that look like he's actually not a bad dude and then we find out throughout the movie he's really not that bad of a dude <laughs> he just wants to be left alone and, he just doesn't you know, want to touch he doesn't want randos touching him yeah and it's and then you know they eventually have the fight at the end which uh which is really cool uh, a little little brawl they have because there's a lot of different stuff that they kind of build to for the character to kind of go through which I kind of liked and the other fun thing too for me in the movie was just the relationship those Jerry and Buddy had, the how it sort of like grew and like like when Buddy tells him you know you're not even gonna try to fight me, I was just like, man, I really wish I had my own like Buddy Ravel back in back in the day because there was a lot of like you know there's a lot of things where I just was like I don't know I don't want to do that I'm like scared of it. And like, you know, that's the lesson here is don't be scared. Just do it. Like, what's the worst case scenario? He, he loses a fight. Big deal. The worst case scenario is, uh, you know, but he smashes his face in with the brass knuckles. But, you know. Yeah. I, but that that was, uh, I remember, though, like as a kid, though, like when he gets the brass knuckles to use against him, I was like, yeah. <laughs> awesome. You know, but it's, that's, that's, a, that's the fun thing about watching some of these old movies, again, is just to sort of see the, how you as an adult think about him versus when you were a kid growing up. Um, so anyway, do you feel this movie still holds up. Uh, uh, like, uh, do you feel that it's like, like I, I didn't feel this aside from like the weird teacher student dynamic. Like I didn't feel there was anything overly problematic about this movie. I didn't feel it was really, I, I thought I would show it to teenagers now. Yeah, no, for sure. There's not, there's no, no, there's no issues in that regard. Um, other than it was a weird time in the, especially like the eighties and nineties when they would have characters who would want to date their teacher or the teacher would do something with the kid. And you're like, like, yeah, this is like a cool fantasy growing up, but like it's really icky now if you think about it. Uh, so that's, the, that is definitely the only part that sort of doesn't work now. And, you know, when it may have worked then. But other than that, there's no, there's no, like, you know, racism or, or, like, any of that kind of stuff in the movie. Yeah, so refreshing. It's refreshing to see something from the 80s and feel like it holds up like that. Yeah, and, and like, I know we we talked about the, the, the female characters, but, like, even them, they're not being exploited. Like, the, the teenager female characters. I mean the sister he had a he had a good relationship with his little sister like that was cool to see now his parents weren't around they were like out of town weren't they where were they yeah this is another thing like they they establish at the beginning of the movie that the parents are out of town so of course you're thinking like oh well there's got to be a party at some point you know (laughs) yeah this one does not have a party even though the the sister is like like hey you have money now because you know, they, he runs into some money and then he's like, we should throw a party. I'm like, 
he's that's like the last thing on his mind which is interesting because like all those 80s movies there's a party <laughs> or like <laughs> they would totally throw a party if they wanted to you know even in the breakfast club there's like a party scene technically when they're all dancing and you know smoking weed and stuff and this one doesn't really have that at all yeah it's also interesting yeah there was no there was no allusions to drugs at all in this movie either no uh that is true uh though i do think the the stories they tell about buddy at the very beginning are pretty funny like everyone just like like it just keeps getting worse and worse and i'm pretty sure like none of that was what actually happened right right it's just you know he's just showing up in their school and they're just like uh, you know building on these stories that they may have heard from their cousin at the other school or something now did you notice somebody who was in the beginning Excuse was me? I? I don't think I was on mute. Anyway, did you notice somebody who was in the beginning of the movie that uh, was part of the students telling the stories about about uh, Buddy Ravel? That's actually very famous. Did you notice anybody? No, tell me. Um. So the person who voices Lisa Sim Lisa Simpson. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Uh, so right. What's name? Cart- Lisa Carton, something Cartwright. No, Nancy Cartwright plays is the voice of Bart. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. I'm gonna look this up. But <laughs> do you remember the first time you saw The Simpsons? Yeah, Tracy Ullman. <laughs> did you know Tracy Ullman had a singing career in the UK? Yes, she did. Uh, they don't know about us. Yeah, I. It's she's. I I want to know more about her now that you bring it up because she's kind of an interesting. I'm sure in Career. England she must have been huge in England or something, and and we we barely know her. Yardley Smith, that's who it is. I had to yeah. look it up. Yardley Smith from Maximum Overdrive. Now, wait, is she a Scientologist? Which one of them is a Scientologist? Is it her? Or is it is it Nancy Cartwright? No I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But that <laughs> that would be pretty funny though. If, if there's like an like a, a video of like, so you want to be a Scientologist and it's like voiced by Bart Simpson, <laughs> that would be very interesting. Uh, so anyway, uh, speaking of actors in this movie, there's actually kind of a cool little cast list of people in this that I didn't realize until I watched it last night. For example, for example, Jeffrey Tambor is in it, right? Plays, yeah, and. Uh, yeah. and- not Joe Don Baker, uh Philip Baker Hall. Yes, thank you. No, Joe Don Baker would have been pretty amazing in this movie. <laughs> I, I know it's a three name, it's a three-word name with with Baker in it. I yeah, Philip Baker Hall, the, the, the great Philip Baker Hall, who, who just passed away the last couple of years. He plays a detective briefly in the movie. Um, but it's always great seeing him show up in films. Um, and also, Mitch Pileggi is in this, who was in X-Files, and yes. he's totally playing this like he is uh, auditioning for the Horace Pinker character from Shocker. Like, he's just, <laughs> looks like he wants to, like, just murder people in this film as the, uh, he's like the, uh, like the security guard for the school, mm-hmm. who, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just like a, he's kind of a scary character. I'm like, man. They really had like, like crazy people to be security guards in, in these schools. It feels like. Um, oh, and then we also talked yesterday. Paul Feig is in this apparently, who directed the Ghostbusters movie. And I tried finding him, but I couldn't find him. Yeah, I I don't know what he looks like. Much less could I imagine what he looks like back then. Yeah, that's probably why I don't notice him. Yeah. But uh, so that's what was cool about it. Like it's like a. Like I like movies that have character actors that just show up that you're familiar with, um, but they're all the only the weird thing is like if they're all very underdeveloped, unfortunately. Like that's that would be my only complaint about the film. And again, like being a one day thing, it, it makes sense. But like the only other character seems to be more developed is his friend, his nerdy friend. Yeah. Um, Although I liked I like the little film school guys. I like the little film school nerds who want to make a documentary. 
Oh, they had the one line. They're like, pain is temporary. Film is forever. Yeah, you know it's funny the 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 film teacher, his last name is it's uh, Mr. Medved, oh. which which I'm sure is a play on Michael Medved's right. person. Right. And uh, th- my first thought seeing those characters were like, oh, this is a they're trying to make reality TV. Yeah, you know, that was like the start of reality TV was like in this thing, and uh, I kind of watched that show. If they would have made that, that would be kind of interesting. You know, just also, like I, I loved the undercurrent of violence in every single class that he kept going to. Like in the one he's watching the the video, the they're watching like the film reel of the the cricket gang eaten by the scorpion. And graphically, then like, yeah, graphic. <laughs> I was I was delighted they showed that much. That was pretty. That was pretty surprising. Yeah, that was that was. Uh, I was like, this is pretty gross. Like. <laughs> It's just nature. It's a circle of life right there. But I was just like, wow, this is uh, pretty pretty graphic. <laughs> and then in in his English class, like his his teachers going going into like uh, you know the bloodiness of Greek mythology or something. Oh, yeah, that was like, great. Every, yeah, every class is just is just like just mirroring you know the the grotesquerie of what's going to happen to him. I do remember uh, that scene really laughing just because it was this old lady too you know like that traditional old lady teacher you know just talking about just how rough like the what was the book they were doing again oh were they doing weren't they doing a, a mythology thing or something i you know it's probably something that has a very similar story to what we were <laughs> just watching i bet that i just didn't even pick up on at the time but I just love that that the idea of this old lady being like talking about all that death and stuff is kind of fun. And I loved the reveal that Buddy was actually really good at math. Yeah, that's that was why his character is very interesting, and because the whole time you just think he's just this crazy like psycho that's just gonna run roughshod and stuff, but really he's just an a person that's been clearly misunderstood and not looked upon as somebody that's smart, you know, cause he's just like the, the tough kid wearing like, you know, leather jacket, you know? And I thought that was really cool. And I, and a good lesson, a good lesson for even people now that, you know, you can't judge anybody based on their circumstances. Cause I could imagine he probably grew up maybe in a, you know, maybe not in the best circumstances, you know mm-hmm. yeah buddy was probably abused or something uh, you know why else would he be so so freaked out about being touched yeah, yeah that was that was uh one of the things i thought of too you know and then that that's why it was it because it's fun too he's sort of like this cool like sage character like giving advice and stuff even though he's still gonna like smash his face in he's still <laughs> just like but let me give you some good advice on how to live your life to be better you know so i thought that was very interesting um now the other character i thought was kind of surprising was the principal character who like that i've seen that guy like play the heavy in a bunch of stuff he's just like one of those that guy actors mm-hmm. who's always like a, a bad guy and i just thought it was interesting that he his whole he wasn't designed to cause too much of a problem for the main character you know like in that one scene in the principal's office with him and buddy, you know, he's like, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And, but he has to have him do a, like a math problem and he was able to do it. And he was, I don't know. He just gave him the benefit of the doubt. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, especially at the end when he's like, he's had enough. You should just let him go. <laughs> I was like, Oh wow, this is interesting. I don't know. I don't know how you felt about that character at all. Yeah, no, no, that that was it was cool, and, and even um, Jeffrey Tambor, you know, being the the guy in charge of the school store, even he gave, you know, even he gave uh, Jerry the benefit of the doubt about you know the store being trashed and the the money being stolen. That uh, <laughs> I did find that scene though really funny when he's trying to get money in order to pay another person to beat Buddy for him, and he takes a giant globe try to smash the thing 
and it just breaks into little mini pieces. I just I died laughing. I I love humor like that. So I was like <laughs> really appreciated that. And he see that's the thing I like about Casey in this movie. It gives a very fun physical performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's like just doing all sorts of stuff to get out of things and moving around and doing a lot of comedic physical comedic work. This is what I really appreciated about his character too. This is why he really stands out. I think compared to some of the other characters that I've seen in teen movies. Yeah. See Casey Shamasco should have had a bigger career. You know, it's him and uh, John Cusack. I feel like they should have been in a movie together at some point. I think that would have been a cool movie. Yeah. Because they sort of have that kind of quirkiness to them in their characters that they played in the 80s. That was not typical of some of the other ones. Maybe we need a Shamasco renaissance. Like he needs his own gross point blank. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. You know, it's <laughs> like he's still working, he's still doing TV and, and and stuff like that. And I, he's probably one of those actors that I've seen in so many things that I go, I re- who is that guy? I'm snapping my fingers and like I re- yeah, I like that guy. You know. So yeah, the Shamasco sans. We should do that. <laughs> the Shamasco sans. Um, I liked the It's a Wonderful Life ending where everyone was buying the... the... Oh, yeah, that was... Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so... It's funny. I was watching High Noon last night because I'd never seen it before. And this movie is clearly sort of modeled on that sort of High Noon idea. Because 3 o'clock high... 3 o'clock is when the fight's going to happen. And then High Noon is when the... The bad guy's coming back in the town. He's got to fight him. And in that one, uh, Gary Cooper's character is trying to get people from the town to to help him because he's like, well, there's four of them and there's, y'all help me on this one. You know, we can, there probably won't even be a, an issue and the guy will probably just go away or whatever, but nobody wants to help him. Which is different in this one where he doesn't really ask anybody for help, but they all you know, saw that he stood up for himself and got in there and fought and even won and they all wanted to help him. I thought that was kind of a, an interesting reverse on what happened in High Noon. Mm-hmm. And I and I always like that kind of stuff when, you know, people come together and realize that, you know, we can help each other. And that scene was pretty cool, especially when Buddy comes in and everyone's like, oh, and Buddy looks like eight feet tall and he <laughs> gives him whatever money he, he was paid off. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Once again, I hope they became friends. I mean, if if anything, I just I hope you know, buddy, the character, was able to get through high school without much trouble after that, at least you know, because he clearly is smart. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows his math. <laughs> I wonder. See, that's the fun thing about some of these high school movies. I I sometimes wonder, like, what are these people like now? And unfortunately, I really feel like some of them are complete assholes now, but. <laughs> you know so but i mean who, who knows but uh, hopefully they're cool yeah even his little sister was referencing like oh yeah don't you remember when we'd watch Gunsmoke? you know like even she was trying to reference the the western similarities now i like i haven't seen after hours what what makes this one similar well after hours is just uh is just you know uh uh, wacky hijinks over the course of one night while he's just trying to get you know get back home so it's it, there were there were a few of those Jim there was one um it was there was one it's it had Michael J Fox in it and it was like they're doing a scavenger hunt over the course of one night like yeah the, I know what you're talking about I don't yeah, remember the name was, of it though it was, yeah I don't remember the name of it but there like there was that one and and uh yeah they're always those sort of like it happened in one night kind of movies you know, and I always like those. I always like that sort of concept where it's just like, shit just keeps happening. You know, like it's just hijinks such a hijinks where it's like they've just got to get home or get that money or get something. Like there's some objective, but like like it's the course of 24 hours and shit just keeps happening, you know. Yeah, that movie uh, is, um, never mind. I thought it was well, up here, but it, it's not one of these. Oh, well. 
That's not important. You can go to Internet Movie Database and look that one up. But I there's a Keanu Reeves movie version of that called The Night Before. You ever see that oh, one? Yeah, yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which uh that is that is a forgotten Keanu Reeves movie that is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. So I recommend I, I recommend that one to to kind of work to you can watch that one with this one. Um, License to Drive is another <laughs> version <laughs> of this. Yes, with the Corys. Mm-hmm. Oh man, could you imagine this movie? But actually, I could totally have seen this movie starring Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. <laughs> like you know, you know, Corey Haim would have been the Casey Shamasco character, and mm-hmm. Feldman would have been his nerdy buddy. Who who does Michael Jackson dance moves at some point in the movie? Corey Feldman is performing at Riot Fest this year. Yeah, he's got sort of this uh, musical renaissance ish thing, where I hope he knows he's in on the joke. No, see that's the thing, and it makes me so uncomfortable. Like you know, there was like a couple years ago he had done this infamous performance on the Today Show with his band that's all girls dressed like angels. Yeah. You no, know, and and they did this they did this song and it was just so awful and embarrassing and it went and like no I just I don't know I feel I feel bad for him like also he's been not to not to derail this entire conversation into Corey Feldman but but like it just seems like for so long he's been baiting and baiting about like if if I get enough money I'll tell you who the real pedophiles in Hollywood are and then he never does you know like I just feel he really he leads a really sad life. Yeah, I, I read his biography once, and you could definitely tell, like he he was uh, somebody that you know um, was a talented actor, but he didn't have good role models growing up, and it just yeah. sort of kind of spiraled. And I, I, I've seen some of his performances like on YouTube, and I know somebody actually went to go see him in concert, and he's like, you know what? He may not be great, but like he is he puts on a he said he puts on a good show because he's like 100% committed to what he's doing and you can definitely tell he's trying to put on a good show for people it's, you know it's like one of those things where you're like you know like he's trying to do his thing he's trying to survive in, the, in this world and I, and I appreciate that but I just feel like some of it is this ironic thing that people are doing with it that yeah, makes me uncomfortable exactly. exactly that makes me uncomfortable you know like I I, I don't ever want to see the room again. I don't really, you know, like there are certain things where it's like, I feel the person who created it is 100% sincere, but I resent what, what it's become, you know, like I don't want to see a bunch of people laughing at, at Corey Feldman. That just, uh, I don't know. Um, But, you know, he had, he's another actor though, that was in some, some classic movies, you know, and it's just, I, I it had to have been hard growing up in Hollywood in the eighties. I mean, it's not easy now, but like the eighties was like a, a weird decade anyway. Yeah, so like the, the, tough. that new documentary about Brooke Shields, you know, and and Brooke Shields, like she was so hypersexualized from being very young. That is what's nice about this movie is, other than the the scene with the teacher, even then it's not graphic. You know, nobody is, nobody is like, try shown to be like the slutty girl or anything like that. Like they're they just feel like normal high school characters, which was the thing I really appreciated about the movie and why the movie I think really works is because nobody feels like a stereotype. Mm-hmm. I think that that what the great high school movies. A lot of the characters don't are not stereotypes, I think. Which is why I think this is one of the the underrated great ones. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Even the hot girl, like she didn't seem like a, a mean girl. They didn't portray her in any way as being like this super popular bitchy girl. You know, they they didn't portray her in a in a bad way either. No, and it's like she was, you know, she was apparently liked him because. You know, she would talk to him and say hi. Like right. his Invite character was party. not like a super nerd or anything. Yeah. You know, so it's like I kind of I wish we would have gotten more movies from that high school. You know what I mean? Like that would be <laughs> kind of cool. Like, who are these people? I want to know more about them now. I think that's the 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 mark of a good high school movie is you want to 
see these people know more about them and see them succeed and whatnot versus it could have just been a real obnoxious movie. They were, they looked like they were trying to go for something more than just teen sex, gross comedy, like especially from the early eighties. Right. There was no porkiness to it. There was no, right. It wasn't a, it wasn't a sex comedy at all. Yeah. 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 So that's why I think it, um, I think that's why there's a lot of fans of it now too, just because of how well it's made. Like it's a very well made movie, you know, with some rural professionals behind the camera making, mm-hmm. you know, like a something that you can um, watch more than once and pick up on different things, different filming techniques, different acting stuff. So that's that's why I think the movie has grown in statue a lot over the last few years. See, I'm so happy. I'm so happy we both watched this. Uh, me too. Me too. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's something. It's a movie I've always thought about, but like I don't revisit very often or think about as much when people talk about the team movies. Yeah. You see, know. now we have to champion the night before. Now we have to rewatch that. Try to get a cult. Get a good release yeah. of that. <laughs> well, you know, everyone loves Keanu Reeves now, so yeah, it's one of those forgotten ones. But like another another movie you mentioned before that. I'm curious to see if young people would watch it now would be better off dead Mm -hmm. and one crazy summer because those are wacky movies that deal with some typical teenager stuff that people deal with now. I kind of want to see those make a comeback and I want John Cusack to admit they're good movies finally. Oh, does he not? No, he famously, he famously hates better off dead. He's really also ha- he's gotten kind of weird, you know. <laughs> like, no, I don't like John Cusack. I, th- I think he's always been a little weird. Yeah. Um, but like you know, he's he's very much like, um, a very hardcore left person who likes to like you know go to. He likes you know, he's a very anti-Trump guy who uh, will go to like those rallies and stuff and be kind of an instigator. You know, so like I appreciate that from him, but like you know, he's, he's people who who could do that, you know, in Hollywood, you know, could be branded as like a little crazy and whatnot. I think when they go a little extreme on both sides, but uh, at least he's at least he's on the right side of yeah <laughs> of where I lean. <laughs> you know, it could be worse. It could yeah. be like some of that could be real crazy. <laughs> so. You recommend three o'clock high to kids today? Yes, I think I totally would. Yeah, me too. I, you know, it's one of those things I think about because, like, I'm gonna be recording episode at Breakfast Club soon, and I'm I'm interested to revisit that one again and really mm-hmm. kind of focus on uh, some of the the way the the characterizations are versus today. And I'm, I wonder if kids today will would understand breakfast club or take to it as much as some of the other ones well it's funny because there was just that controversy recently on twitter about ali sheedy's character and like was she like at the end when she has the makeover is she simply becoming more confident and being more of who she really is or is she being sort of uh uh, suckered into conforming you know like there's there's the two sides of of that you know and also, I feel like that it's an interesting topic because there's so much of that sort of uh, not like the other girls uh, kind of kind of debate going on, you know, like it, how it's, you know, it's sort of like an internalized misogyny thing where women are denying that they ever liked pink or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's interesting. I haven't heard that one. But um, but it, it's it's not to get into it too much but like it's always been hard i'm just saying it's always been hard for women Mm -hmm. you know in society so like you know i it's you know trying to especially a young person trying to find their way it's it's gotta be tough you know so and i that's why i think teen movies are always going to be important and they're always going to reflect the time that people are in now and it feels like we're starting to see some really good teen movies now like uh book smart's great um yeah Mm-hmm. That new one, Bottoms, coming up. People seem to be really laughing at the trailer. That's going to be a teen movie coming up, you know. So, 
you know, the teen movies are always going to be something that's important that hopefully reflects positively for a lot of kids growing up. Like a movie like Three O'clock High probably had on a lot of kids growing up as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel like teen things are always separated into the teen comedies and then like the weird sort of scare tactic things. Like like right now we have Euphoria, you know, like those things that show like the scary drug underbelly of, of teen life that are sort of meant to be sort of scared straight kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, those are always made by weird people anyway. Right, like kids. <laughs> we had kids, there was yeah. 13, there was, you know, like... But meanwhile, things like uh, Degrassi, the original Degrassi, still hold up, because that was just, like, normal Canadian teenage stuff, you know? I I love Degrassi. I should do a whole podcast on it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's still... It still holds up. That's still relevant today. I'm I'm a little sad that they're not going to go forward with the reboot. They're going to do a reboot on Max, and they're not going forward. Um, but that is that is definitely Canada did a great great job of that show because even the Next Generation episodes hold up pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, very very uh, they dealt with a lot of stuff, so that's why I'm glad they're still making teen stuff. Uh, so before we end this episode, I have to ask you the same question I ask everybody. With your physical media, how do you have it arranged? You know, it's in flux. Like I have, I have my steel books arranged according to, like a, a, so like like I have all my criterions in one section, and then I have things arranged by different directors in one section, and then I have like uh, you know like like franchises together it i don't know if you looked at my if you looked at my shelf it probably looks like shit but that's because i'm always thinking that i need a bigger shelf and i'm gonna rearrange them then so <laughs> but they're they're sort of like a like sub you're, you you have them by subject kind of yes yeah the criterion I criterion subject or the yes yeah like also i have little i have little stands and so like whenever i get a new steel book whenever i get like you know new fancy editions of things i like to have them on display i like to be able to look at them for a while so i have like one shelf where it's like oh these are the things that i bought recently that i like to look at you know <laughs> do you have them by spine or do you have them like the whole cover i have them by spine but like the newer ones i put up by the whole cover so I can look at them for a little while before I nice. put with whatever they pertain to. I have all my stuff are spined. Mm-hmm. Um because I just don't have the the way I have my shelves and stuff are set up or uh, to do the whole video store thing. Mm-hmm. But I love yeah. that idea though. I kind of want to do that. Like a here's my video store shelf and it's all the some of the new stuff with the cool artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I buy these steel books because they have awesome artwork because they're really gorgeous. So I want to be able to look at the whole, you know. So for like a month or two after I buy something brand new, I'll just have it, you know, I'll put it up displayed so you can see the full cover. So that that's why you like the steel books because of the covers, yeah, not because they're steel book. Um, <laughs> I don't understand who came up with this idea of the steel books. It's because it's, it's they're, they they fit and feel different from some of the other ones. But clearly, mm-hmm. it's working because people yeah, buy it. Well, it's because it's because I like the nice artwork, you know. I feel, and my favorite. I mean, I, I buy a lot of things from Arrow. I buy a lot of things from Indicator, uh, you know, because I like those ones. I like it when they come with a big booklet. I think that's really cool, you know. So like, I buy box sets of like the Italian crime films and stuff like that. I, I like that. I, I like a lot of those, you know. Like, it just amazes me the things that we're getting. Like. Did you see just yesterday, I think they announced um, this really gorgeous a box set for Duel, the Steven Spielberg film? I have not heard that. Yeah, like it amazes me the things that like we never thought that we would ever even see, in, in, you know, again, nice Blu-ray, much less in some sort of like fold out thing with a gorgeous booklet, you know? So I just, I, I'm happy, I'm happy that these little boutique labels exist. I'm really happy that we still get these things. And we should continue to buy physical media because who knows what the fuck is happening. You know? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I I am fortunately and unfortunately have a video store near me. Like It's 15 minutes away called The Archive, which is the Vinegar Syndrome stores. Oh, nice. There's mm-hmm. We have one here and there's one in Jersey. Mm-hmm. And the problem is it's too close. And I'm like, oh, they got a new thing. <laughs> I want to get it. And I, I can't buy the stuff. But they're... 
their artwork is really great. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, just recently, I mean, I had a dilemma with the release of Creed three and and the John Wick four. Like those had too many good covers. You know, like there was oh, like yeah. a Walmart, there's a Walmart exclusive and a Best Buy exclusive. And, you know, like it was actually it was actually a dilemma of of picking those. And that's so, a good to have. Yeah, and speaking of uh boutique labels uh shop factory for example they're the ones that released the three o'clock high blu-ray mm-hmm. with uh some special features and whatnot and uh i think that might be one i might think about picking up it's pretty affordable and you know i would like to learn more about the making of that movie and that's what's cool about physical releases you, you can learn from them mm-hmm. and also the artwork on that was one of those typical I've painted like I'm not sure of the artist who did it. I'm not looking at it right now. I don't. I don't think it was Drew Struzan or anybody. But I think. But it's. But it's also one of those really cool stylized movie posters of that time. Yeah, it is a great poster. It's very memorable. He's. Uh, I'm looking at it now, and it's basically a giant clock set at three o'clock, and there's a giant hand coming out of it. And he's holding him, and it's 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 all it's a painting. Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. painting. Right. When you could have a movie like that and it could get a really cool painted cover, like that's great. So the the lesson here is physical media should be something that we should still be embracing because it's beautiful and you can't edit something that is in your house. <laughs> exactly. All right. So Wendy, thank you so much for being on the show, talking about three o'clock high and learning a little bit more about you growing up and your grandfather showing you all these great movies and now i know why you like action movies so much <laughs> Thank which you. is fun we didn't even talk about an action movie which i think is great too because everybody right, thinks i'm the action movie breakout. show yeah yeah i mean you know there was there was some punching in this yeah there i mean like i said the fight scene at the end is pretty pretty cool i like that one it's really shot well so now i need to get on to some show to talk about uh erotic erotic 90s <laughs> that that's the new thing now because you know i you know, Twitter is all about like people don't like sexy movies, and there's not sexy movies anymore. And it's just like, well, this the '90s. There's plenty of stuff to revisit. So that's the next thing, I guess. Watch Red Shoe Diaries as an adult and be really disappointed. <laughs> oh man, there's how was there not a Red Shoe Diaries podcast that like goes through every episode? That, that's that's the next thing we gotta do: Degrassi and Red Shoe Diaries. Well, the Retro Diaries would be a lot shorter podcast than Degrassi. Degrassi would take years. <laughs> Forever. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. And I'll see you again later. <laughs>